I'll say one thing about that is every hire counts. And so one of the things that's really important is every time you have a rec open, looking at the makeup of your team and, you know, look, what is missing in my team? What skills, experience, uh, you know, location, whatever it happens to be is missing in my team that we could add that would accelerate the strength of this team. And so it's every hire makes a difference. And, and um, I recently this year had the chance to expand my HR team and it's grown significantly. And I was really happy we made the investment in it. But one of the things I had to do was look at my team and say, what's missing, right? I need my team to represent our organization. Um, and I want people when they look at HR to see themselves. Um, and so that was really, uh, really important. And I think we've done a great job building out my team. And I, I think I'm, I'm proud of the varying experiences that we've brought to the table. I think it makes us stronger. This episode is brought to you by Kylo Partners. Kylo are your Bullhorn specialist and Bullhorn's first implementation partner. Our solutions have helped over 950 companies worldwide to streamline, automate, customize, and get more out of Bullhorn. Our products provide you with tremendous ROI, including Kylo Awesome Docs, the complete document management system right in Bullhorn, and the most powerful data management tool in the ecosystem, Kylo Data Tools. To learn more, visit kylopartners.com. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Our firm focuses on three areas of opportunity as it pertains to technology in our industry. First is expeditious acquisition of technology, helping you make quick decisions and good investments for the betterment of your organization. The second is business process change management and adoption. And then finally, evangelization of your new differentiators of your digital transformation. Call Leap Consulting Solutions today. What is happening, Rob? Guys, Lauren just went through her entire family tree of the Buffington family, which does not live does not live in Bridgerton Manor or what is that other show that's really fancy <laughs> sounding in British? Downton Abbey, yeah. Downton Neither, none Abbey. of those. Uh, but thank you for that, by the way. Uh, yeah, but but the Buffingtons have now been on full display. The first, the second, and apparently I I learned something new about Lauren. Her middle name is French. Even though oh, yeah. Buffington, I'm so confused. English, yes. So my grandparents, right? I'm, I am American. I am. You're, I fanci am, you're fancier than I'm Applebee's French, on a date French night Max. for sure. Yes, I'm French Max. Uh, my French mother Max. was oh. a tiny little, tiny little Hispanic woman, and my father's a big, tall French man with a little bit of English. Um, so, <laughs> all right. Know. Well, there we go. Now, now we all. If you nice, don't, if you don't yeah. know, now you know, and. Please call her Lady Buffington for the rest Lady of the time. Lady Buffington, I prefer to be, to be, uh, if you could speak to me in a really good British accent. Guys, I am sorry. Uh, but I, she had me giggling for at least a good two or three minutes before I hit record. And yes. I had to hit, I had to hit record, otherwise it wouldn't okay, stop. Now here's anyway. the point. What's my middle name? Anae. Anae, yes. Lauren Anae Buffington Jones. That doesn't sound snooty. Snooty, yes. All right. Well, now that we got a whole bunch of HR violations, let's introduce an HR leader who we're really excited to talk with. How are you, Kelly? Hey, I'm good. Uh, would you have had a status vote down for that, that, that opening? 
Definitely not. No. Oh, good. All right. I'm, I'm happy good. for that. All right. Well, and, and by the way, it's Kelly Morris, SVP of HR at a small company that we're not, we don't ever talk to you about on the podcast, uh, Bullhorn. So uh, super excited to have you on. Glad to be here. I think we're going to have a good discussion. Yes. I always enjoy talking to HR leaders because they are so much cooler when you're not in the office. That's not said that often. (laughs) (laughs) Not said that often. She's 100% right. You know, uh, here, I want to talk to HR. (laughs) I love the Kylo HR people. Uh, They are a hoot. So, anyway. and I say that very nicely. All right, cool. Well, we, we're really excited. We've, we've been, we were looking for someone to talk about the new form of leadership and what's needed and all kinds of stuff um, to kind of dial into how to lead a diverse workforce in a, I, I can't say it, but an unprecedented time, right? But, um, you know, and, and really we, we've been looking for someone to come on and talk about this. And thank you. Thank God we found Kelly. So again, another HR leader win for us. Um, uh, yeah, but today we're going to talk about, you know, things like talent, demographics, D&I strategies, a non-traditional career pathing, and, and really anything that comes up that has to do with the workforce and maybe skills that a modern leader or a modern HR leader needs to, uh, to dive in. So, uh, with that said, Kelly, maybe what is, of all those things I just listed, what is kind of the number one thing that you guys have been thinking about, uh, that is relevant to, you know, talent or um, you know, leadership and, and leading in this kind of, you know, hybrid, you know, remote, hey, making everyone return to office. Like, I know Florence aren't doing that, but, you know, what's kind of coming up, what's on top of mind for you guys? Yeah, I think, you know, as HR people and, and business leaders, how much the landscape has changed over the last two and a half years on almost every level is mind-blowing, right? We've had a pandemic that sent us all whole. We've had to come back to the office. Wait, are we coming back? We're back in pandemic. So it's kind of been this up and down. Had a lot of social change, um, you know, here in the U.S. I know it feels like a long time ago, but we had a lot of political shifts that have happened. Um, And then, you know, frankly, you know, social racial injustice is now at the forefront of businesses. And then how you sort of adapt Folks who've worked in their homes for the last few years, their lives have changed significantly. This isn't just something that happened to us for three months. So what is the future of work is something that I think is on the the forefront of every leader from an HR perspective and also a business perspective. Well, I think we're just seeing the start of, I mean, we're a litigious society. We're just starting to see the beginnings of lawsuits post-COVID and lawsuits of of working from home. Employers um, unsure of you know how to navigate a, a hybrid environment and keep everybody safe. And and uh, we have you know candidate fraud that's been through the roof because of work from home. So. I mean, employers are saddled with some big issues um, to co- to 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 cover, and and with the idea that we make everybody happy, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just not the case. <laughs> yeah, the, the reality is that no one is ever gonna you're never gonna have 100 percent happy. You don't make all the people sure. happy all the time. Period. No, there isn't. Probably should also do that either. You, no. pro- you probably shouldn't try to do that either. So let's be honest. I think I think as I talk to other HR folks. And, you know, I know uh, leadership teams are talking to other people in their industries and, and their networks. There isn't a one size fits all approach because what works for Bullhorn doesn't necessarily work for another company or something that another company is putting into place. So it's, 
I think understanding there's like a lot of different ways you can attack each of these things that come up, but you have to go back and do what's right for your culture and sort of customize it to your own unique culture. And I think that's the biggest challenge is can't write a playbook on this. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love the idea of centering. Uh, I, I mean, uh, even when I'm building a tech stack, it, it's centered around who that organization wants to be. You know, right. there is technology that you can purchase that reflects your culture, reflects your ideologies and reflects what's what you're passionate about. Um, and you, you can build an ecosystem that represents that in a meaningful way. And it means, and I think you said you honed in on something um, really important, and this is important for our listeners who, you know, want to take away something tangible. There isn't a one size fits all. You have to be understand who you are as an organization. And then I think the other thing that you said that is you have to understand, meet your people where they are under, you know, and that means communicating, creating connection and creating an environment where people feel comfortable coming to HR should they, you know, need to talk about something. And that, that's that, that I think therein lies the biggest challenge is creating that environment where you have trust because a lot of trust was broken um, after COVID and all of the layoffs and, you know, large employers just, we're trusted. And, and yeah. now it's this effort of rebuilding. How are you rebuilding that trust? I, I would like to give a shout out again to Art Pappas, the oh, CEO of Bullhorn, yes. who did handle their 2020 layoffs super gracious, great, gracefully. Uh, as much and as that is not fun. The most gracious, yeah, yeah. The mo we talked about that on the prep call, was the most gracious way to I, I mean, in, in a world where we've seen uh, CEOs laying off 900, 900 people, people on Zoom via Zoom uh, and just some terrible leadership, uh, I got to say, that was the classiest thing I've ever seen and a good demonstration of culture. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a, a definitely a challenging time in our history and, and something that as we went through it, we really wanted to take care of the people that were going to be impacted you know, in a way that helped them, you know, move on from the organization. But we also had a ton of employees that were, that remained, that were impacted as well. And and so you have to treat, you know, all of them and and make sure that you're kind of taking them all into account. Um, yeah, it was a really challenging time. Yeah. For everyone. You yeah. weren't alone, but I, I thought, I thought he handled it. Uh, the, the whole organization. Yeah, the organization handled it, handled it well. Yeah. Um, but again, it goes back. I'll say this. This is how... That was just the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And we handled that layoff by thinking about our culture and our people. And we always go back to doing what's right for our employees and what's good for the business. And so as each challenge, uh, you know, has come up over the last couple of years and even, and even before that, we always go back to what makes sense for our population. And I think, you know, what supports our culture, you know, um, I don't think you can make terrible decisions if you always come back to that. And that's what we really try to do. That's a good rule of thumb. If you yeah. put people over profits, you will always win in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you have to find that balance, right? Yeah. What's good for the people also has to be good for the, the business. But there's a lot of, you know, balance in that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of juggling. What's yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think I want to go back to something, you know, when you talk about a one size fits all in this like new normal that we're going to, you know, I'd mentioned it kind of when we were talking earlier, there are companies have to recognize there are people in different life stages. And mm -hmm. so as we go to the next normal, how do you, how do you build a workforce that 
like um, allows everyone to kind of have the best of everything. And I know that's hard because, you know, you can't make everybody happy. But one of the things that we've done is we have reopened our offices, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a group of employees that being in an office and around people every day, whether it's for social or just to get out of their house, or maybe they don't, you know, have a great office at home, allows them to have that in-person experience, that social element, getting out of the house. But then also we we become remote, remote first. So for folks like me, I have three small young children. And for years, I was in the corporate rat race trying to juggle kid pickup and trains an hour and a half commutes. And so I'm never going back to the office permanently. And I'll never work for a company that will, will require that because I found this like really beautiful sort of um, flexibility and balance in my life. And and then there's folks that want to get back out on the road, right? We know we have mm-hmm. sales-driven cultures. And so, yeah, right, Rob. So as the world is opening back up, I think how you pull those different pieces in and engage people is really important. Well, I, I love and... Uh... I I love how you are meeting the people where they are in the different stages of life. That requires empathy. Um, It requires communication and it requires connectedness. And um, I, you know, something that Art talked a lot about in his keynote at Engage was that community, the connection, this, this whole connected recruiting that Bullhorn um, is uh, navigating the organization forward with um, today. Um, All of that uh, takes insight to to your people so tell us how you know or walk our listeners through you know how you how how do you take action based on what your people um are saying or where they are in their lives because you know i'm an empty nester uh i'm in a different stage in life and you know i don't i while i don't think i'll ever go back into an office on a daily basis you know, I, you know, was excited to travel again and do those types of things. But I think as a society, we're totally reimagining how work works um, and that whole work life. You've found this beautiful balance yeah. um, at, at home. And I think that that's wonderful because it, again, once again, we're reshaping. I don't think people think about, I'm going to work for a corporation for 35 years and retire and and then I will enjoy my life. People are, no, 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 no. My life could end tomorrow. So I'm going to, I'm going to have a good, you know, that's what this whole quiet quitting is about is a little bit of burnout and just re-evaluating your work life. All of that to ask the question, how are you, how do you listen to your people? How do you get those insights? I think, I think, you know, double clicking into the community piece is really important because we're now realizing that community comes in all sorts of different forms, right? We used to rely on community in the office, right? Whether it was just being around each other. Now we realize that community happens. Yep. It happens a little bit for folks who are around an office and choose to go in, but it has to be really intentional community. Uh, So how are we creating opportunities for people to interact and have those communities? So we actually took our office management team who used to be primarily responsible for, um, you know, doing office events, right? All the fun, perky stuff that comes with that and kind of running the day-to-day office. So they're now still responsible for doing that in-person stuff, but also owning the virtual aspect of it. Mm. So whether it's, you know, trivias or we do have summer gatherings that are in-person, but we're now doing virtual summer events. So that team came up with the idea of doing some cooking classes and um, some cocktail making classes. So we're trying to, you know, cater and try some different things. 
We're also pretty engaged on our Slack communities. So there's like a Bullhorn Parents channel, right, that I particularly really enjoy. I get to see, you know, a, a community of people who are sort of in the same environment that I have. But I know we have gamer networks and things like that, too. But there's no perfect recipe. So it's just listening to your people. What do they want and what's impactful for them? Mm-hmm. Not everything's going to work, right? Yeah. Um, no. So it's being but I think as long as you're trying, mm-hmm. but you know, I think therein lies the, therein lies the difference is, is, uh, uh I don't think it's going to be one size fits all. We're not going to make all the people happy all the time, but are you inquiring? Are you asking those questions and are you creating a culture where that input is received in a way that you know, doesn't put someone off or doesn't make somebody feel different or isolated or, or anything, um, that, that, that idea or, or want or desire is accepted. And that's, that's the crux of all of this is that acceptance and connection and, and, and all of that. I love that you're doing the cooking. I talk about it all the time. I mean, uh, I, we, we, uh, on the pre-call, we talked about, a. The the article that I had read where, you know, the the work friendship is over mm-hmm. in this, you know, in this new remote world. And and I fundamentally disagree. You get out what you put in. Yes. Uh, I mean, I got I got 14 lady friends who, you know, are right there with me. We wrote a book together and many of us had never met. And so I, I think that it's it's what you put in. So to to those listening as employers, what you put in and what you listen to, what you take action on and what you try uh, makes a huge impact. And to employees who are listening, what you put in is what you get out. That's right. You can jump into every Zoom that you have and start with business. Or you could jump into every Zoom you have and ask someone a meaningful question. And then next time you talk to them, follow up on the question to show that you are listening. And, you know, you get that's how you build the relationships. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like that's how we found out that Lawrence Middle Name was a nay earlier today. <laughs> right, just useless trivia information. Yeah. So that's all. I mean, it doesn't have to be meaningful all the time. It could just be a good inside. Could be a good inside show. Or make any sense whatsoever. Why would anybody care? But you know. But it is fun now because I want to call you Lady Buffington, and so we're going to have like an inside joke going. I- I try to call her Lady Buffington all the time, and I often get like the look. I I do prefer that greeting, and yes. you know, I would like a tea and some crumpets as well. Oh yeah, well, yeah, we could do high tea. I I work for a high school. tea. <laughs> I work for a Scottish company. We could do that whenever you want. Uh, anyway, uh, so I mean, it's so funny. Bullhorn was my first remote job, by the way. So, uh, and I was but not ready couple- for it. And, uh, and I learned a lot <laughs> you about ready for it. You're still learned, not ready for it. I learned a lot. And now I'm super happy working remote, but I'm almost considering getting like a one day a week pass to a co-working space just for some, uh, you know, I lived in an apartment building, but now I'm living in a house. So my interactions with other humans has greatly reduced the apartment building fulfilled that. Uh, and now I need to think about some, uh, you know, some ways of just getting out there. I think, I think the other thing too, is people need to realize what works for them. How can mm-hmm. they take take what's available and make it work for them, right? You're recognizing that you need social interaction, some form of social interaction, right? And every once in a while, I get that too. I'm like, oh, I got to get out of my house and I'll go into the office or I'll go to a work event and I'm so energized, right? And But then, you know, if I do that two days in a row, I'm tapped. Like I'm not in shape for that anymore. (laughs) Um, And so then I come home and it's like great to be in Zooms, but 
it's recognizing your your own needs and, and your own limitations, right? So I look at my calendar sometimes and I can't possibly do another Zoom. So I'll I'll send a note to whoever I have my next meeting with and I'm like, put on your walking shoes. I'm grabbing my ear like my earbuds and let's go for a walk and do our one-on-one, right? It's like, gotta get out of the house. You, so it's being really tuned into your own needs um, is really important to sort of, you know, surviving this thing if you're at home all the time. One of the yeah. uh, one of the sales leaders at Bullhorn is is kind of it's not no, not like notorious, but is well known for taking calls in his garden, uh, and like be walking around his backyard of his garden gardening or just walking around. So. I've pulled weeds on a million calls. Right, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> you're listening and just uh, just go through and pick the weeds. Right, yeah. oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Well, I do love this. I, that is one thing that that I, I will say post-COVID, I I truly enjoy. Like when I see a little toddler walking in the background coming in, like it fills me full of glee. I think that we have made people human in this whole, you know, and it, it softens the edges of some individuals that, um, you know, it, it makes me feel more connected to them um you know when crazy toddler comes around you know running in or a dog barks or you know there's something going on and it it just um you know adds a human element to 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 this digital way of communication that i just think is so meaningful and i don't want to i don't i certainly don't want to lose that part i agree i think that's been one of the most beautiful perks of all of this i agree I just see other people's kids jump in and just be oh. putting their names and saying, it's really, it's so amazing. Yeah. I get my dad doing that every so often when he's visiting me because he doesn't understand how Zoom works as a work <laughs> methodology. Uh, so he doesn't think I'm working. So he like walks through this door that I that's behind me and like pops his head in and I'm like, okay. <laughs> What's going on, dad? <laughs> What's going on, dad? You're on camera. Yeah. You're, like, yeah. You're on no camera. Part of the you have pants on. We should have pants on. Yeah. There are <laughs> there are work cultures. Like I have several friends, you know, we you talk um and they don't have a Zoom culture. So they'll get on these calls and no one has their video on. And I know that we get video fatigue and but I think there is something really important about having your camera on for a majority of meetings and having everybody do it. So yeah. I left an orientation group this morning and I jumped on and my co-facilitator, we're the only ones with videos. And I was like, hey. I need to see your videos. I need it as a presenter to see those those interactions. Yeah. That's how I get my energy. And so I think for for cultures where that's not the norm, I think that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, it's a good call, good call out for sure. A good call out. I wrote an article about it. Like you wouldn't sit in a meeting like this, no. would you? No. You know, and yes. I have a, for those listening, I, I put a book in front of the camera. That's what it feels like when cameras are off and I can't connect with somebody. I can't see the whites of their eyes. Um, for me, that's how I can create a connection with somebody in this remote environment. Yeah. And I, but I think to your point, Kelly, it all goes back to culture and, mm-hmm. and leadership and reinforcing the things that are important within that community and within that organization. And as you said earlier, there's so many pressures on human resources departments today. Uh, I mean, we've got diversity, equity, and inclusion that is, you know, you you talked about, uh, there's, you know, uh, political rhetoric coming into the workplace and and managing that and um, uh, just the 
I'll, I'll say the more volatile client climate that we have going on right now and, sure. and walking. <laughs> yeah. How's that? Was that a nice way to very, say that? Very, really very nice subtle. Climate. Yeah. It was very yeah. subtle. It's more vo volatile climate that, that we're dealing with. And there's a lot of sensitivities going on right now. And I, I know the pendulum swings, right? And, and we're a little over here right now, a little more on the extreme yes. side and it'll, it'll come back to center, but, uh, in this volatile, you know, sort of climate, how how are you making diversity, equity, and inclusion a priority? Uh, what advice would you give to our business owners who are struggling handling all of the you know issues that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. uh, but but still want to you know create diversity, equity, and inclusion within their organizations? Yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that I. Um, it, look, it's always been an important pillar here at Bullhorn, but it was magnified like it was everywhere else just yes. over two years ago. Um, and the, you know, from my own personal journey, I was actually out on mat leave when, um, when the George Floyd, you know, murder happened in the unrest. And it was an opportunity for me to actually sit back and listen. And that's mm -hmm. such an important part of diversity, equity, inclusion is being able to listen, right? And learn and and listen to what people are telling you and not be shaped by your own, you know, bias and experience. But so DE&I is at Bullhorn, everybody's responsibility, but it does sit underneath me. Um, and it's been one of the most rewarding pieces that I've worked on in the last two and a half years. And I've worked on some pretty, you know, cool, meaty things in the last two and a half years. But DE&I has been one of the biggest challenges, but then has had such a, a good thing. So when I first took it over, I said, what's the magic bullet, right? How do you increase? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. It, it's here somewhere, right? If I talk to enough people, if I connect with enough HR leaders, if I hire the right leader to help me out on this, like I'll find the silver bullet and we'll all come together. And what we've learned along the way, I have this awesome um, head of DE&I named Christina Bell. What we've learned along the way is it's step-by-step step and it's very intentional. So, you know, you're not going to turn the tide overnight, but it's each step you take makes an impact to someone within your organization. Um, so uh, look, I think there is no magic bullet. Again, you have to take your own unique culture and organization and figure out what that lens means for your org and how you, and what you need to work on, right? Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. of the first pieces that we needed was data. We didn't have data around good data, at least that I felt like we trusted. So one of the first things we did was, where are we? Let's really understand that. Um, and our, our data has come a long way. And I'm very, I'm very happy with like the very mature state it's in now. And now we can make real insights and take <laughs> real action on them. Um, so that, that's been a big piece as well. You used a word for the second time now that I, I love, um, and that's that in intention with mm -hmm. intention, intentionality, yep. doing things um, with the intention of making a difference or making an impact or, um, you know, that deliberateness, uh, that I think an organization needs, um, in order for others to feel like this is a priority, um, or that this is important to the organization, that intentional action. I always say automation needs to be done with intentionality. You can't just slap an automation out there and think it's going to make a difference. Right. Well, you, could, about it. you could, you could, email, you could email your 1 million candidates all in time. Yeah. All at one time, the, the show up and throw up method. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, that'll work. Um, maybe, 
but maybe in the short term, you might do really well on your first campaign, but subsequent campaigns, if you're not creating um, consistency, uh, or quality and value, or quality, or intentionality, then it's just action for the sake of taking action and not making it different. Which which is like a giant, you know, trap that you could fall into very easily. Totally. I'll say one thing about that is every hire counts. And so one of the things that's really important is every time you have a rec open, looking at the makeup of your team and, you know, look, what is missing in my team? What skills, experience, uh, you know, location, whatever it happens to be is missing in my team that we could add that would accelerate the strength of this team. And so it's every hire makes a difference. And, and um, I recently this year had the chance to expand my HR team and it's grown significantly and I was really happy we made the investment in it but one of the things I had to do was look at my team and say what's missing right I need my team to represent our organization um, and I want people when they look at HR to see themselves um, and so that was really uh, really important and I think we've done a great job building out my team and I, I think I'm, I'm proud of the varying experiences that we've brought to the table. I think it makes us stronger. I think, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. So we've given our listeners just as a recap so far, three things that they can tactically walk away with. Um, I love the taking inventory of what's missing. I mean, that's amazing, but that coincides with listening. I mean, mm-hmm. like truly listening. Um, and then that intentionality, like having a purpose behind your, your actions and not just doing things because that's, the flavor of the day or the, the, the HR action of the week. Um, it's that intentionality and consistency. Um, so for our listeners, I want you to think about that, that taking inventory, that what's missing, that is, that's, that's beautifully said, but I, I don't think that we do that all the time. I think we take inventory of what we have, not inventory of what we don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then you get that opportunity. Yes. Right. The internal referral game where, you know, you end up hiring people very similar to you or in your same communities. Right. Yeah. So, yes. Which, yeah. you know, <laughs> is it lies of, sorry, like a little bit of a business liability for, because diversity and difference of thought is a strength. Yes. Yes. I think the other thing too, is we used to hire, like, do I want to have a beverage with this person? Right. Like oh, you would I, interview I someone. I want to have a beer with them. Yeah. Right. Right. Do I want to have a beer? Um, yeah. and, and that's hiring people just like you. Right. So you've got to push yourself outside of your zone and, uh, you know, hire someone maybe you don't want to have a beer with right away. Right. Cause then that, that creates that like nice, you know, um, I'm kind of doing the push and pull. It's, it's not like a, a little, push and it's pull, a good, but it's, it's a complimentary. The complimentary yes. tension. Yes. Yeah. It's I like col- yes. You want somebody that has different viewpoints and that will challenge you, um, you know, respectfully, right? We want to be able to have those meaningful conversations to solve problems together. Yeah. The whole idea is that those two, you know, more uh, uh, polar, you know, opposite uh, individuals can actually work together very powerfully to solve problems. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Was I think inter- we missed that part. <laughs> I was having an interesting conversation with one of our faves, Lauren Adam Sprecher from Stela. Uh, and um, he it was interesting because we were, we, we, it was all like talent and, and hiring. We literally talked, we went, it was supposed to be a networking call. We ended up talking shop for 30 minutes because we were just so engrossed and like had this conversation involved. But I said to me something that I've been thinking about a lot. It's like, you know, if like 
if you were a boss and someone like your like the HR leader said, Hey, if you were to leave, which would all of your team come with you? And that doesn't matter if they're all like homogeneous, like anyone. If you have like a really diverse team, would everyone want to come with you because you're that kind of leader? Um, but for me, being part of that kind of team, like where people had unique viewpoints and were challenging and there was good tension all the time, like, you know, would you want, would you want to keep your team together is an interesting question. Yeah. And do you, and do you understand why you would want to, like, both of those questions are super important. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, do you know why? Have you reflected on why you would want to keep this person who may look, speak, uh, eat food different than you, everything different than you? But would you want to like, you know, are you guys so powerful together to your point, Kelly? Yeah. 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 I mean, well, if you, I think the most powerful barometer is would you want to keep that team together? Then I think that means you have the right team, right? Yeah. And you would take them anywhere to challenge any you know, any new any business like yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look at my team as strongest team I've ever had in my entire career right now. And um nice. really proud of them. And I know that I can't take them if I were to I won't leave Bullhorn, but if I were to go somewhere, you know, the way of our non solicitations, but like mentally I would want to keep them all together. That's yeah. Good. I trust yeah, them. Because because right there. Boom. Yeah. yeah, I mean you said it right there. You and you, you want to know what them. this July was the first time I had my entire leadership team together in person. That's so cool. In two, two years. So the, my point is, is you can build an incredibly powerful team, even remotely, if you've never met. That's the new world. Yeah. It is. It I is. And I think that uh, the companies that do that well, they are going to be the ones that not just survive, they thrive. Mm -hmm. um, and you said, but something else here. Um, so we've got, you know, what's missing, listening, uh, intentionality, but the intention intentionality is is really the why. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 Simon Sinek. If you haven't read Start with Why, come on, listeners, we've given you enough books. <laughs> come on. Um, but but start with why. I I helping people see the vision or helping people see that that these these, you know what you would think would be conflicting personalities actually can get so much done together. I mean, the start with why, and then the, the other one you gave us was data. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's really important because we do talk a lot about data cleanliness, about having data, what you do with the data, which I think um, uh, another thing you said, now we're informed and we're informed about how to take action in a meaningful way. Now we have data to back it up and, and create that trust you know, when we share, uh, you know, where we're going and what we're doing, uh, data can be a profound influencer, um, I think, in, in helping create change or inspire change. I think it's the new way in the HR function. And if your HR team doesn't have an analytics function or an analytics person or someone with an analytics mind, you're missing a ton of insights. Otherwise, it's just anecdotal, Right. The human, yeah. humans are naturally loaded by anecdotal. What did you hear most recently, right? It sort of in, informs what you think. When you have the data, that's like your gut test, right? It's like, oh, I've been hearing this, this, and this. Like, well, when you check the data, what does the data say? Um, and especially for DE&I, that data has been key. And I will tell you, it was really hard getting our data in a good spot. You want to know why? Because you can cut data. You, you start at the high level and you can cut it down a thousand ways to Sunday. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, but you can make point, data say whatever you want it to do. Yeah. But at some point you have to like stop. And so for us, it was like finding the right place um, of what are we going to look at consistently? What are we going to measure? What are we looking for? And then every time I show data to a leader, they say, oh, can you cut it this way? Can you cut it this way? And sometimes I'm like, yes, we can. And other times I'm like, we can, but then it becomes not meaningful. Um, so That's data a good call out. So yeah, I, I think that data has that like fine balancing act of to what your point is like, if you overanalyze it or if you just keep looking for different cuts, it's it's eventually just going to be, you know, like anything if you do too much, yeah. it's just kind of meaningless at that point. You know, you need to, you know, pick your pick your battles, and then also your battles can change and your your lens can change, and you can slice and dice and you know explore once once a month, do a little game of exploring, yeah, and then figure out if like. You have to have to do like this bias thing where like, hey, did I did my um, filters add bias that I wasn't yeah. attending to? So. Yes. You know, the other thing I think um, that another one of my like mic drops would be to not be afraid of diversity, equity and inclusion. It is mm-hmm. a really hard topic to tackle. Um, and I think a lot of leaders like shy away from it. Right. It's scary. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to show any of my accidental biases or anything like that. And I think as HR, we've had to look this in the face and like we bring, we've, we've had to bring a lot of our leaders on that journey too, of like, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to talk like this and get talk tracks and permission. And especially in this like new world where inclusion is so important, we need our leaders who are sitting with our employees every day to be comfortable talking about diversity, be comfortable talking about equity, be comfortable talking about inclusion. Um, so arming our leaders with those tools has been really important over the last few years. Awesome. Okay. So we got another one training. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I, I don't, I, you know, I, 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 we're all soapy over here with my soapbox on training, uh, um, because I talk about it all the time. It's not a one-stop shop. It's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing commitment that needs to be consistently done within your organization so that you can empower um, your leaders uh, to have those meaningful conversations and represent HR and the the company um, in in the most meaningful way, in the most appropriate way. We'll say it that way, as opposed to meaningful. Or it's on every single topic. Yeah. All that's come up in the last few years. You have to equip your leaders and how to talk to them. They're the frontline facers, mm-hmm. right? We now have inflation, right? That's another, the, the war on talent. Now we have layoffs. Like, how are you equipping your managers when their employees say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling inflation, right? Like you have to, they're the, you, people go to their managers first. Yeah. Gotta have the clock tracks. And you've got, that's the listen, that's the listening part, right? Mm-hmm. If you just taught your leaders how to really, truly just create a relationship with their direct reports where having those conversations is, um, you know, to a degree, right? We we want to have those conversations, and then we want to know when to escalate those conversations mm-hmm. to to HR. I think that is more than anything where a good, well intentioned, well intentioned leaders go sideways is when we haven't taught them when to escalate it, or we haven't taught them when to say you know what, I'm going to find the most appropriate person to tackle this with you so that we 
And language, I will say, is one of the most important things we can leverage to to help um, enable trust, help you know uh, create a, a more trustful relationship. The we language instead of I, yes. um, and and how we will navigate this for you know like you're tackling something to get togetherness in in your, in the way the language that you use, I think is can make a profound difference. Absolutely. I think the best. Uh, one of the best things HR can do is embed themselves with partnerships across their business leaders, right? And understand that like, I, as your HR business partner, I'm here to support you as the leader. And so if you think a conversation might've been funny, you know, felt funny, come talk to me about it, right? Let's, let's, let me help you. Let me work through it. And I think the power of HR and helping leaders when they, when they question what they're doing or where to go has been for me, one of the greatest evolutions of HR, right? I'm not your compliance police. I don't want to be that, right? Yeah. I want to be your sounding board. Come to me when you, you need a little advice. Like well, that that's that is really cool. I mean, I'll put it that way because I, the mentality around HR, and I'm going to say this out loud because I know other people think it, uh, have thought it in the past, but I think you have, have you're I think you're right. You're, you're turning this around. You're not supposed to say the five yeah. parts out loud. No, I mean, no, no, no. Uh, we, used to call, we used to call HR human roadblock. Like, I just was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, I thought that's what you called the CFO. It's human roadblock. Like, you're just throwing up the pets and every time I'm trying to do something, right? And, but it's evolved into so Definitely much evolved. more than that. Yeah. This, yeah. It's, it's evolved into this, this coaching engine that can empower your leaders, I think, in super cool ways. If HR is done right, we accelerate our leaders. Yes. Right. We actually help you get whatever you want done faster. But because we're involved from the get go and we have a partnership and an understanding, we can actually get it done maybe faster and maybe even better. Right. Like, that's what I say. Like, we should actually accelerate what you're trying to do, not stand in front of it. I like it. Well, yeah. all right. We've been we've been knocking this out. We did not get the career path thing, but we can do oh. that at a later date. Uh but I, I know we just we went. But but we left our listeners with some really good. Really, gems. Yeah. Yeah. You want so, me to go over them? You, yes, if you let you are in a recapping mood. So recap I am in a recapping mood. And here's why: we've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from our listeners on on uh, on on this being a learning podcast. So I'm uh, an nice. educational podcast. Okay, measure your measure, measure, measure. Data, data, data. Consistency, intentionality, starting with why. Listening and truly listening, not listening because I'm doing active listening. So. What I hear you saying is I am a robot. No, actually listening to your people. Um, the what's missing. That is amazing. What is missing? And then the training and empowering your leaders. I mean, yeah, this, you've just given us gold, Kelly. Love yeah. it. All right. Love. Now, as, as, a, as a true non-HR related podcast, we did not prep you for this question, but do you have any follows or any books you recommend? Uh Normally we prep you for this and I apologize for feeling short. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll be really honest. Um, if, you, if it's a child's book, even better, by the way. Even so, better. We yeah, love those we're, too. We're all about it. Um, I actually, books are my escape from work Ooh. and life. Um, okay. So I actually read like- Not, You read fiction. I do. I almost read no business books. Oh, fantastic. Um, some, of them feel, some of them feel trendy to me. And let me just say this. I recently went on a vacation where I had zero access to social media, to work email, to anything. The only communication I could have was iMessage. And it made me realize that I spend too much of my life in snippets. 
mm-hmm. you know, snippets and social media. And it was like that. We have, we have a big TikTok fan on this call too, Kelly. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So TikTok, I'm not on it. We're not naming names of who it is. But um, but anyways, my point is, is um, maybe instead of reading a book or something, just put down your phone for a period of time and enjoy what's around you. How's that? HR is telling you to read the room. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Be present, read right? the room. So I've actually pulled back on social media pretty significantly on my like reading of the news snippets and the what's hot right now. I'm actually just like trying to focus on what's in front of me. It's been really nice. Ah, you're trying to be where you see there. I like it. All right. Yeah. Like there we it. go. Well, this was fantastic. Kelly, thank you so much. Kelly, I don't read books, HR, Morse. <laughs> that is okay. That I can is cut okay. that out if you want me to. No, we, we, give, we give our listeners plenty of books. I'm reading right now, uh, Women Who Don't Wait in Line. Oh, I, I believe that. What, are they you. bunched to the front? I believe that's mm-hmm. you. Break the mold, lead the way. Just saying, ladies. I like by, it. The, by the way, I would like to point out, Lauren, you and I only met very quickly in passing before we started recording this podcast together, so. I, I introduced you at a panel at Bullhorn Engage 2019, but we yeah. had like maybe under two minutes of interaction. And then we started being uh, co-hosts at some point in 20, early 2021. So now we're work wife and work husband. Yeah. It's just not all it, virtually people. It all See, happens. It can happen. Yeah. It can happen. So, well, well, thank anyway. you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Right. Kelly. So signing off, this is Rob. And I'm Lauren. Now go do something good. Thanks, guys.